coming at you live from the Aspen Studios. Welcome to the Jay Burrow Show. I'm your host, Jay Burrow. This is a podcast that's all about storytelling in a way that's entertaining and informative. For today's episode, episode three, this is part two with William Henry. In the last episode, we covered William's background, experiences, and expectations from the jump from high school to college football. So today, we will jump into the X's and O's of football. We're going to look at those similarities and differences, as well as hopefully hearing a couple of stories at the end from William to close out the episode. So without further ado, William, can you share with us what these X's and O's look like? That's another great question because of how long I've been around football. The X's and O's from high school to college when I was a player grew exponentially. You remember when we were in high school, we ran base cover three and 40 cover three about 90% of the time. Um, I I know you you still remember those days. So, um, you know, we, we were in base cover three, 40 cover three, and we had four or five little tag calls. Uh, We'd add on to it, but that was basically it. On offense, we had, you know, two, three formations, and we had dive, trap, sweep, counter, option, bootleg, and about three or four dropback passes, um, I guess the, the slant hitch, curl flat, and the deep ball, and that was it. And I know that kind of sounds like a lot, but um, when you're not a team that runs – inside zone and you know inside and outside zone that's actually not a lot um when you're a gap scheme team you know running those few plays like you 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 really need those plays um to be part of your offense so that was pretty much it uh passing game wasn't complicated run game wasn't complicated formations weren't complicated we just got really good at what we did when i got to college we had so many defensive fronts and coverages and ways to disguise calls Uh, that my head was spinning at first. Um, Nowadays, I don't think the X's and O's jump is as big because high schools do a lot more complicated things schematically than what they did 25 years ago. I actually have a problem uh, a little bit with how much a lot of high schools are doing. Sometimes when I see a bad high school team trying to run a bunch of different plays and formations and tempos, I wish they just simplified and teach the kids how to play football. I think there are a lot of great high school coaches and programs out there who are doing a very good job, but I also see some programs that I think are trying to do too much and it's handicapping them. Um, That's not to say that all programs that are not successful are doing too much. Sometimes you're not successful for other reasons, but just in my later years as a high school coach, I felt like I did see some, some programs here and there. You know, whether it was in person or on film or whatever, where it just looked like they were doing a little bit too much or trying to do a little too much. And their their kids uh, never got as good as they needed to be at uh, just kind of the basics, the basic fundamentals. Um, another big difference in high school and college um, or the NFL is that a lot of high schools run plays. Line up here and do this. Um Colleges and NFL teams run concepts. Here's the concept, and once you understand the concept, I can line you up wherever I want, 
and the other team can line up however they want and we can still run the concept and nobody's confused. Now, it, it may not be optimal if they give us a certain look that we don't like, but we all know how to function and run it within the scheme that we've got uh, within, you know, and knowing what the concept is um, as opposed to, you know, sometimes you've got, you know, places or at least, you know, I know you used to where they just run plays. And if you get a different front, the team has no clue how to block it or, you know, on defense, if the offense comes out and lines up in a formation you never saw, the defense has no clue how to line up to it because you just worked things one way. Um, so that's kind of a big difference is they talk about concepts um, in college and, and the NFL uh, a lot more. Um, we, we could get, you know, when we were in, uh, actually, you know, we were fortunate enough, um, excuse me, you know, we, I want to go a slightly different direction with, with uh, what I was about to say, but, you know, we were fortunate enough to have a high school coach who did that with his bootleg game 25 years ago when we were in bootlegs uh, it was, he taught it like concept, like a concept. Um, um, I was some places in my early years of coaching that also ran bootleg and it always came out of this formation and the players always went to this spot. Or maybe there was, uh, maybe there was this formation and this one other formation, but certain players were always in certain places and always ran to this spot. But, you know, Coach Rankin, you know, 25 years ago, uh, you know, even though we had basic formations, you know, we could line up in red, red X, white, white flex, black, gold, etc. cetera. Um, you know, we had our little tag words that could, that could make that formation be a little bit different. It looked the same, but different receivers would line up in different places and we could run the bootleg and everybody knew exactly where to go because he taught us to understand the concept of the bootleg you always knew there was going to be somebody deep in the middle of the field. There was always going to be somebody deep uh, down, uh, you know, down the sideline on the play side. There was going to be somebody in that intermediate, uh, you know, 14 to 16 yard range um, on the play side. And there was going to be somebody in the flat um, on the play side. And you learned no matter where you lined up, you learned to be able to tell which one of those am I and how do I get there? Um, and so uh, that that's kind of a little a little bit more of um, some of the things you see in some of the the college, um, the college and NFL game where they just, um, you know, you might be working the sale concept. And so you just, you know, you you understand that, well, if we're running this concept, I've got to do it this way, but I don't have to run the route the exact same way every time they give me a different coverage. I can break it off right here. I can you know, change my release a little bit or, or um, certain nuanced things. Um, and so I think that's one of the big differences. I guess the last major difference in high school and college ball is that you don't practice much situational football in high school. Um, you do practice some. I mean, I, it's always been that way and, and it's been that way, you know, when I was a player and as a coach. But in college, you work on the open field part of the game during the early part of the week and then you have a day where you pretty much just work down and downs and distance. Um, as a coach, you break the film down with more depth and you figure out how the other team changes what they do philosophically and or schematically on certain downs and distances. And you work those situations specifically for pretty much an entire practice. Um, 
You also do the same thing for zones of the field, uh, red zone, orange zone, green zone, yellow zone coming off um, or coming out. Um, goal line depends on what you call it, uh, you know, what your coordinator or head coach calls it at, at the school where you are or the, the, the franchise where you are. But um, there's a whole day devoted to zones of the field and downs and distances. So um, you will specifically work against how teams change. Um, I, I think we all, it's something that you don't think about if you hadn't really, you know, played college football or, or coached college football or played in the NFL or coached in the NFL. But, you know, we all know as fans, uh, you know, you got certain teams that you might like to watch as a, as a fan and, you know, it, the announcer even say stuff about, ah, oh, the coverage, the coverage was real soft, but when they get down here near this goal line, they tighten the coverage up and, you know, you, you always know they're going to blitz a backer. So every team changes a little bit when they get to certain zones of the field um, due to whatever their philosophy is or whatever they know that the other team's philosophy may be um, or, or due to how good or bad they may think their kicker is or how good or bad they may think their punter is um, or their, their, their coverage team, their punt coverage team, um, et cetera. Um, so um, you just do a whole lot more. Um, you spend a lot more time practicing all those different situations that come up during the game um, and all those zones and downs and how the other team changes in those in those areas. Um, as far as situations go, you know, you um, in, in college, I can't even off the top of my head think of or name all the ones that you practice, but you practice, you know, clocking the ball, running time off the clock and throwing it away. Um, last play of the game or the half, uh, you practice a lot of different situations with your punter. Um, if you get stopped and you need to punt the ball, if there's a certain amount of time on the clock, you may just run him around and have him take a safety, run as much time off the clock as you can, um, and then have him step out of the back of the end zone at the last minute because you're up by enough points that if you give up the safety, the other team gets the two points. And yeah, you've got to kick off to him, but maybe, um, you know, as a, a, the kickoff, you're not going to be kicking it from so deep in your own territory. Whereas if you punted it, you might've been on the negative five yard line. They're going to get it in good field position. They've got a good returner and their offense has a little more time on the clock to be able to run a play or two, kick a field goal, you know, and, and, and beat you or tie it up. Whereas, you know, if you are up by exactly three, you run that extra time off the clock, you give them the two points, you're still up by one and you get to kick off. Um, usually you use your punter, but you get to kick off um, in a more controlled environment, put some hang time on it, get down there, cover him. They're backed up a little bit more, don't have as much time to operate with. And, uh, you know, now they might be down to, to three seconds and they don't have time to run a play, get in field goal range and make and, you know, uh, make the field goal. So you just practice all of those things a lot more, um, you know, way more situations than I can I can, you know, go into right here. Um, but uh, there are a whole lot more of those types of things in the college game. When it comes to X's and, and O's, oh, yes, I know whatever we were playing. I mean, it was just so simple. Um, we played on, on a team that just, we really, we um, got to focus more on the game. Um, we didn't have to worry too much about the actual play, you know, and um, I, I believe that was a, a big um, ad advantage for us, you know, um, 
our coaches just said, you know, just let the boys play, you know, just keep every, everything simple um, and not have it be way too complicated. Um, you know, I can really understand that, you know, um, when you were talking about the uh, the uh, nine technique, you know, and uh, um, but uh, for us, I mean, it was more universal. Yeah. Um, each player was more interchangeable. Um, each spot, you were either, you know, a one technique, a, a two technique, or a three technique. And and so we just kept it um, simple from that, you know, from from um, every position on the offensive line. And, and you can see that. Um, that way, um, any player can be interchangeable. And that was a great advantage because maybe, um, you know, uh, in the game, there could be somebody could get hurt, you know, um, maybe a safety could come down and play weak side linebacker and, and still have those same kind of rules. Or, or if, if a lineman got hurt, um, you know, a coach could, could, uh, could bring in, um, somebody who, who was playing linebacker. Um, and so with having that, um, with having that advantage, um, and being inter interchangeable, that was huge for us, you know, because we could still focus on the game and not worry too much about X's and O's, you know, and that's what, uh, um, I appreciated with, with our coaches. Um, and that also helped us, um, it helped us win. <laughs> um, it, it helped us, uh, read everything a whole lot easier and we can really keep our, our, um, um, eyes on, on the football and we could also, we could also make some plays. So now we can just um, ask William, what are some good stories that you had as as a player or a coach? I don't know. Um, I guess if I had to think of something off the top of my head, um, <clears throat> well, I guess one of the funnier stories was probably uh, do you, do you, if you remember that song by Too Short, Blow the Whistle, it was about a year after that Too Short song came out. Um, and I, I love that song. Um, I still, it's still on my, my running and lifting playlist till this day. Uh, it, it gets me hyped. If I'm running and that song comes on, I get a little extra energy. Um, you know, Too Short did it with that song. So anyway, um, it was about a year after uh, Blow the Whistle came out and I was coaching um, at Alcoa High School and we never used to put our quarterbacks in red jerseys or anything. Uh, our, our quarterbacks wore the same color as everybody else, and they were dead. Uh, you, you know, you couldn't hit them in practice, but they wore the same color as the rest of the team. So at one point, we were and our All-State uh, all quarterback dropped back to pass, got rushed, and took off with the ball. And I think Coach Rankin, rightly so, thought the officials weren't going to blow it dead. So he started yelling, blow the whistle. And, and he had no clue. I mean, this man, you know him. Uh, he probably doesn't even know who too, too Short is. But I don't know why, but the cadence he used when he yelled that was similar to the song and it triggered in my head. And so I'm standing by a wide receiver coach. And when, when Coach Rankin yelled, blow the whistle, I looked at our receiver coach and just real quiet with my mouth, I went, 
and he died laughing, and I did too. Um, and uh, the by the way, the 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 ref blew the whistle, so everything was good. You know, we didn't get our our uh, all state, all world uh, receiver. I mean, excuse me, a quarterback hit. Uh, but I just thought that one was uh, was pretty funny, uh, a little impromptu thing that happened on the field. Um, so uh, let me see. I guess another one from my playing days was my freshman year of college in a preseason camp outside linebacker meeting. I was, uh, I was a weak side outside linebacker my first two years of college and a strong safety my last two years. So anyway... The coaches had seen some of what I could do um, in person the first few days of camp. So they decided to put in a front where if we got two tight ends, the weak side defensive end would shift his alignment to an outside shade on the offensive tackle at the last minute. And I would walk up on the outside eye of the tight end. Well, you know from knowing me that I'm serious about competing and learning and, you know, just you name it. I'm, I'm serious about all that stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying is, um, you know, I don't joke around in meetings. So we're in the meeting and Coach Beck was talking to my position and said something like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something like, and right before the snap, I want you to walk up in a nine technique and rush. And I looked up from taking my notes and I asked, what's a nine technique? And he said, you know what a nine technique is. And, you know, I replied to him, coach, I have no clue what a nine is. So he responded, you know what a nine is. I watch you do it on film sometimes uh, in high school. I don't know what you're doing right now, but I don't play around in meetings. If I tell you to walk up to a nine, walk up to a nine. And, you know, he had this real serious look on his face. And I'm confused at this point because I don't know what a nine technique is. And I don't know what he's talking about when he said that he saw me do it some in high school. Um, so then he, you know, he sees he's serious, but he thinks about what he knows about me so far. And he, I guess, can look at my face and tell that I'm just confused. So he paused and then he said, wait. And he drew up a pro eye formation on the board and pointed to the inside, um, you know, shoulder um, or inside eye of the guard. And he asked, what is this? And I responded, a one on the guard. And he pointed to the outside of the guard and asked the same question. And I told him it was a three on the guard. So he moved down the line and, you know, he got to the tackle and he said, you know, inside eye of the tackle, he said, what is this? And I said, a one on the tackle. And <laughs> that's when he just kind of, you know, paused for a second. And so he, as he moved down the line, he gradually realized that when we were in high school, in order to make teaching simple and to make certain players interchangeable, we were taught, and, and you'll remember this, we were taught that every technique was a one, two or three. And our coaches just specified which offensive player we were lined up on. Um, you know, coach would tell us, line up in a one on the tackle. Well, one on the tackle was an inside, inside shade, you know, on that tackle. Um, and so, you know, that's just kind of the way we were taught. So once he figured that out, he said, now it makes sense. And he said, turn the page, you know, so-and-so in your playbook. 
And uh, I don't remember what page it was now, but I turned to the page he said, and it was the first time in my life that I saw the diagram of the uh, one, two, three, four, I, four, five, seven, six, nine techniques. Um, and, you know, he said, I want everybody in here to learn that by tomorrow. Um, that one probably isn't as funny as the first story, but it's a good one to illustrate how simple our high school coaches kept it for us. And, you know, we already talked about how well that worked for us because um, it, it did make guys interchangeable. I, I think I remember, uh, um, you know, and you and I know your brother um, probably remember uh, Jeff Lee when we were in high school started at defensive tackle for a lot of the season. And then late in the season, he started playing some defensive end. Well, it was easy for him because, you know, if if he needed to line up on the they just basically taught him that he was playing the same technique on the defense, on the tight end um, that he had, you know, been playing on the tackle or the guard or just, you know, wherever it was um, that he was before. And they taught that a three was a three, a one was a one, a two was a two. You know, you slant it the same way, you read it the same way and all those things. So it was pretty cool the way they did it in high school. But uh, a little bit of a funny story, um, I guess. Maybe that was not as funny, but uh, just another story I can think of. Um, oh, I've got one more. I've got one more. Just thought about it. Um, all right. So I've already mentioned how competitive I was. Well, in college. This was still back when you could practice 1,000 times per day for 27 hours per day. And this was back when teams still did a lot of conditioning at the end of practice. I always ran with the fastest group and I always finished up front, you know, whatever up front means. Um, I'd win most of the gassers. I might come in second sometimes, but I was always number, you know, one or two. Well, at the end of my freshman year, um, I got second in the conference in the 100-meter dash, and I'd run on a bad hamstring. Well, my sophomore year, I got to football camp, and I was fully healthy, in great shape, and I was noticeably faster than the year before. I killed the conditioning test. I mean, you know, just blew it away. Um, blew it away and was still standing up, and I was breathing a little hard, but not crazy hard, you know, when it was over. You know, I was just in great shape. So when we did conditioning after practice the first few days of camp, I'm winning every gasser. Again, to to me, it was never really a race, but it was always a race at the same time. I wanted to win all of them, but I was also, you know, I'm I'm not I'm a little crazy, but I'm not all the way crazy. So um, I was fully aware that some of the guys on the team would only go hard on some of them. They so they'd be fresher on, for example, the fourth one than I was because I ran all of them hard, and they might have, you know, kind of been taking it a little bit easy on the second and third one or the, you know, first and second one or whatever. So we're on about number six on this particular day. And my group finishes the gasser and coach white who always yelled through a bullhorn at practice yells fastest man in the conference. And you're not even the fastest man on our team. How do you get second in a sprint? And uh, it was literally the first time all camp. I hadn't finished first on a gasser that year and he's yelling at me through a bullhorn man that dude knew how to push my buttons i was so mad um i i knew i went hard all practice every practice and on every single sprint and he's calling me out like that because it's the first time that i've lost one that year um and so you know i decided he was never going to get to call me out again and so i never lost another gasser period
Um, that's that's really, I guess, you know, as far as stories, that's all I can think of right now. Wait, I've got one more. I've got one more. Um, I think you're going to love this story because you know the guy I'm about to talk about and your brother knows the guy I'm about to talk about. So um, this one is from our playing days back in high school. So my favorite teammate of all time, any level ever played at, my favorite teammate of all time was Antron Peoples. So this story tells how bad that man was in high school. And this is not to say that I was a great player, but this tells how bad that man was in, in, in one way or another. Um, when your brother and I were sophomores, we were basically scout team players. I think that was the only year of football in my life um, when I didn't start for the team I was playing on. So sophomore year, we're scout team players. Um, well, you know, we had seven seniors off that team in 1994 who signed Division One scholarships to play football. Uh, four of those seven signed to the SEC. Um, and, you know, Big Tron or uh, A-Train, you know, whatever you called him, Antron Peoples was our enforcer. Middle linebacker, uh, you know, you already know because that was your freshman year. Um, so he was out there practicing in scrimmages and games and, you know, he was just rocking everybody. It didn't matter if you were a, a lineman, running back, tight end. If, if you went head up with Antron, you know, in any fashion on the football field, you lost. And it wasn't even close. Like he was just making people look bad. Um, so I was a linebacker that year and he was too. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're in the same position drills, you know, all day, every day at, at practice, um, same position group. So we're in a read drill in practice. And Coach Maynard has the young linebackers playing fullback and guard. And he's got the older linebackers reading the fullback to guard and getting downhill and making contact. Uh, you know, they were working on reading ISO counter power you know just you name it working on their reads working on their angles working on getting downhill making contact um you know and wrapping up i think we had another we were splitting two lines maybe you know we some of us are fullbacks and somebody was the running back so after they played off the block and read it they had to wrap up you know the running back so anyway forget the running back for a second but uh keep in mind i met antron when i was a kid years earlier you know we we weren't boys or anything but we knew each other and we were cool. So I'm up at fullback and I'm supposed to go ISO block him. So I run up in there and I block him and you know he rips off the block and does what he's supposed to do, wraps up the back, whatever. Um, and I just remember going back to the back of the line and saying to whomever was right in front of me, it was probably your brother, but I remember saying, man, Antron doesn't hit that hard. I just went and hit him and I held my own. Well. After I said that, you know, I, I looked up and um, Antron's 6'4", 220-pound self was in the back of his line looking at me and doing that little slow nod that people who grew up in the 90s know means I heard you and I'm about to show and prove. So he's in the back of his line doing that, you know, kind of, you know, slowly shifting his weight from, you know, left foot to right foot, slow nod, making that eye contact, you know, and uh, and, and basically just being Antron. So, uh, you know, I when I get back up to the front, 
Coach Maynard gave me ISO again, and Antron was up at middle linebacker again. Well, I'm not overly worried because I'm me. Again, wasn't necessarily a great player. I'm a sophomore. I know Antron's a bad man. But, I mean, in my mind, who out there can just straight up rock me? You know, that was my mentality. You know, I, I'm not going to say I would, I would, I would lose, uh, excuse me, win every battle, but I wasn't just going to get rocked, you know? So that was my mentality. You know, I mean, you know, somebody might get me, but I'm not getting rocked. Well, we snapped the ball and I went and ISO blocked Antron just like I'd done, you know, the time before. And when this man hit me, I, I went backwards, landed on my back with so much momentum that I continued to roll backwards over my helmet all the way until I landed in push-up position. I got up, went to the back of the line, and looked up at Antron. He was in the back of the linebacker line with a half smile on his face and was doing that same slow nod again. That was the day I realized he had been taking it easy on us young bucks in practice. And needless to say, I never poked that bear again. Um, so that's probably, you know, that's a good story. And I know that makes sense to you because you, you, you know, were around, you know, a little bit of that. And I know you know him and I know your brother probably has other good stories about, you know, going to battle with, with Antron. Yeah, I know your brother hated it because, shoot, when we went to team periods that year, um, at least they would split me out, you know, and I'd be a receiver or whatever sometimes on scout offense, but your brother was the fullback. So that was, he was Antron's read every single snap. So I know he's probably got some good Antron stories, but uh, anyway, man, um, I probably told you too many stories, but that's all I got. Um, I'm sure if I sat here, I could think of some more, but I'll save some time for somebody else. Again, it's a pleasure to be able to come on here and I definitely appreciate it. Peace out. Wow, that is some good stories about some coaches um, and some players. I know sometimes whenever we're doing gashers, um, they may not notice how hard we work, you know, sometimes, but whenever they're watching us, maybe we could be running, you know, slightly not, not uh, full speed, but I mean, sometimes they don't see that, you know, I'm kind of like a, like a school teacher <laughs> in that same sense, you know, I, I remember we did some, we did some snakes, um, you know, for those of you who don't know what a um, snake is, it's those lines on the football field that go all the way across and so you so you would go all the way across go up five yards go all the way across then go up five yards all the way uh to the other end of the football field and we called those snakes another one was was those um uh we we did up downs sometimes um, and the warrior drill too but those were another form of uh, training that would keep us on that high level in football. Um, the warrior drill was when you start from 10 or, or a certain number and you would do a push-up. Then you would do 10 sit-ups. Then you would go down to 9. You would do 9 push-ups and then 9 sit-ups all the way down to 1. And then up-downs, we all know what that is. When you start and you got your, you got your uh, feet moving. Um, you know, and the coach blows the whistle and you, and you go down and then you got to come back up. Um, and so 
that really kept us on our feet, that kept us loose, that kept us nimble and moving. Um, you know, and I mean, obviously, most kids they don't like they don't like uh, gassers, but hey, you know, it kept us all in in shape, you know, um, and it and it kept us well. Um, but I know with those legendary teams, we had uh, legendary players on that team, especially that '95 team that was loaded with uh, 23 seniors, and um, and they had a defense that was just that was just so stellar. And I know with Coach Painter at the time, um, he um, challenged them. Um, whatever the other team scored, that was uh, the actual. I'm not sure if it was up downs or a warrior drill that they had to do uh, for that time. So how many points they would score? That's what they had to do. But uh, most of the season, um, teams couldn't score on. You know, most of of the season, teams couldn't even get um, get across the uh, 50 yard line. Um, a lot of times um, with those teams, we will talk about uh, that legendary Riverdale team. Um, sometimes. Their goal was to not play in the second half, um, and so when you had a goal like that, you know that you were a really, really, really good team. Um, and so, um, in our next episode, we will be talking about uh, legendary high school football teams and and, specific, and specifically Riverdale's football team. Um, I'm gonna uh, try to get some guys who who were on that team uh, from every every year and. Every every level to uh, talk about those years between 1993 and 1997, um, because those were the were the years that really uh, that put Riverdale on on the map as well as Coach Rankin. Um, I can't wait uh, to get some guys in and uh, talk about those stories. Um, I have some guys in mind already in the shoot, and I can't wait to um, tell y'all about that. But I do want to thank William Henry for coming in um, today, talking about high school and college football on so many levels. Um, it was great hearing you, man, and and um, we just we just, um, we just had a blast today. And and um, I, I just want to thank you guys for listening to the um, Jay Burrow Show. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I, I just want to thank William once again and. Um, Everybody who is um, involved with this, um, I want to help with this podcast. um, Tell everybody about it. You know, uh, help support them. Um, You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on um, Instagram, and also on uh, also on Facebook. And so that's all for today's episode. Um, As we sign off, I just wanted to uh, thank everybody once again, and we'll see you next time.